Good morning. We're delighted to have you here with us. If you're worshiping today uh, as a visitor, we welcome you and we hope that you will join our members as you uh, register your attendance on the attendance pad. If you sign that and give us the necessary information and then uh, pass it down, I will appreciate it. I think most of the announcements are there in your bulletin. I would call your attention to those. The Family Life Survey uh, will be helpful if you will do that by the end of the month. Uh, the Thanksgiving baskets, if you've not uh, given one, I hope that you will. Uh, next Sunday afternoon, there will be the Merle State Walk for the Daily Bread Ministries for the Griff Soup Kitchen. I hope that you will participate in that. And, and in, uh, not in your bulletin, is, there is a word about the poinsettias. If you will, uh, next Sunday is the deadline for, we'll have to order them. So if you've not done your, your uh, ordering for Christmas, if you will place that order next uh, week, by next week, so that we can have them here in the sanctuary on the 11th of December, the 18th. Uh, we'll appreciate that. Uh, I'd hope that Toby Wright would be here, but he had to go to work. Um, amazing man. Uh, Tuesday, uh, he had the opportunity to go to Washington with our veterans of World War II. Uh, what an experience that was for him. He shared some pictures with me, and we thank him and others who've served as our veterans, and we are grateful. I, I think that you'll hear a word in a moment about next Sunday from Bill Clute, but I do want to remind you that we'll have just the one service. It'll be here at, at next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and, and Susan Leonard Ray will be preaching. You'll hear more in just a moment. Let us continue now as we worship God. <clears throat>
Join me now as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed found on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the only Son, our Lord, who blessed and saved by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the grave. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. This time we'll ask the children if you come forward. Y'all have a good week. Okay, think back last week. Remember when Mrs. Rush said she'd been to the store and she saw so much Christmas stuff already? Well, I did that this week too. And it kind of made me feel bad. I mean, I like Christmas, but poor old November gets lost in the shuffle. It goes Halloween, Christmas. And we just seem to forget that November's there. And there are two very important holidays that come in November. Do you know what they are? Somebody knows. What do you know, John? Thanksgiving's one of them, but what's the first one? Veterans Day. Did you do something special at your school on Veterans Day? Huh? Veterans Day. I wish I had a chalkboard or a whiteboard up here, but since I don't, I made signs. Veterans Day. What's it all about? Remembering our veterans. And you know, we have some veterans here in this church. People who served in the Army or the Navy or the Air Force or the Marines or the Coast Guard. And we ought to recognize them because they did a very big, big, big thing for our country. So I'm going to ask them to stand up. And when they do, I want you to give them a big, loud thank you. Will all our veterans who are in the congregation today please stand up? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you makes us think of the other one. What's the other one? Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is a two-part word, isn't it? What's the first word? Thanks. What does thanks mean? You say thank you when? If someone gives you something or does something for you, then you say thank you, right? And even little kids can say it. My little great-grandson, he's only two, and he says, taco, but it means thank you. We know that. <laughs> well, the second part of that word is what? Giving. What, does, what is giving? 
Giving means to give stuff to others. To give to others. Now that brings us up to another word. Another word that's sort of a, a cousin, a relation, sort of like brothers and sisters. They're related, but they're not the same. And that's, what's that word? Stewardship. Have you heard this word the last few weeks here in this church? Mrs. Rush talked about it last week. Mr. Clue talked about it the week before. Mr. Septon's going to talk about it in a few more minutes. What does it mean, do you know? Well, you are stewards. We're all stewards. And stewards are people who help take care of others and things. If you ever been on an airplane where someone helps you get a drink of water or soda or something or a pillow if you need it or something, they're called stewards. But what today, the stewards we're talking about, are all the people that belong to this church, that come to this church. They have to share their time, their talent, and their money. When we come in on a cold day, we want heat on, don't we? If it's summertime, we want air conditioning. We want the lights on. We want Miss Ann over there playing the organ. We want a preacher. We want a choir. We want Miss Jessica to lead the choir. We want the grass cut out there. Mr. Smokey's over there. He's the one that cuts the grass. They're all being stewards in this church. And they're using their time and their talent. We've got two more stewards that should be up here right now. Hunter and, and Sarah Catherine are act, being acolytes today. So they're being stewards in this church today. So being a steward means doing what you can with your time, your talent, and your money. Do any of you get an allowance? Does your mom or dad give you an allowance? Well, when I was in kindergarten, my father thought I was old enough for an allowance. And each week he would give me three nickels. Can you read that? Where the nickels had to go? One had to go to the church, one had to go in my bank, it was a piggy bank, and one was left for me. Now back in those days, which was a long, long time ago, you could buy a candy bar for a nickel. I don't think you can today. But anyway, that's what I had. And one of them always, the first one, always had to go to church, either the church service or Sunday school. I had to put that in there. When I got a little bit older, I got up to dimes, and when I got to quarters, I really thought I was rich. But always, one had to go, the first one had to go to the church. I remember one time my youngest sister lost one of her nickels, and she said, I've still got my bank nickel and my candy nickel, but I lost Jesus's nickel. And my father said, no, You've still got Jesus's nickel and your bank nickel. You lost your candy nickel. And she had a hard time over that. But she lived through it. And now she's treasurer of the church that she goes to up in Connecticut. But anyway, we all have to share. And that's what stewardship is all about. After we say our prayer, I'm going to give each one of you probably a dime, but which isn't a whole lot. 
but it's something that I want you to put in the collection plate when it passes in front of you today, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the many people who have served our country in the military. And thank you also for our families, our pets, our friends, our teachers, and all the many things that we enjoy here at church. Help us to be good stewards of this church, too. Amen. I've got Don's here. Thank you, Beverly. At this time, I'll ask Bill Clute, who is the chairperson of our finance committee, to come and share with us uh, what's going on. A few minutes ago, George said that I'd be coming up to tell everything that was going to happen next week. Then he proceeded to tell you everything that's going to happen next week, <laughs> leaving me with hardly anything to say. So I'll just repeat what George said. Uh, next week will be the uh, Commitment Sunday when we make our commitments to this church and God for 2012. So please continue praying about that, what you can give. We'll have one service here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. Susan Leonard Ray will be our speaker. I know many of you know them, know her. A couple up front here might know her pretty good. Uh, we're all pleased to have her. We'll have a catered meal afterwards in preparation for that. If the ushers would come forward, for those of you who have not filled out a reservation card for that meal, please get a card from the ushers and fill it out and put it in the offering plate. And to continue with our speaker, our stewardship speakers for this drive this morning, we're proud to have Robbie Septon coming to us. Good morning. I uh, want to take a moment first and, and thank Bill and the Finance Committee for all the hard work that they've done uh, leading up to next week's Consecration Sunday. I'm proud to call Memorial my church home, and I'm proud to call all of y'all my church family, but Memorial has not always been uh, home to me. Ten years ago, I first visited Memorial with Lauren and uh, when we were first dating, and uh, just happened to be the first Sunday that I came was Consecration Sunday. And we attended church that morning. I remember getting in the car on the way home, and she asked me, well, what did you think? And I responded very deeply, and I, I told her, I said something along the lines of, well, you guys sure do talk about money a whole lot, but if you keep eating like this, I'll come back. <laughs> it certainly wasn't long after that first visit that I started to make my home here. I found a home in that old Sunday school classroom right up there where I meet with the members of the cross-training Sunday school class. Um, I found a home on Saturday mornings in the gym 
where about 10 four-foot nothings run around and fill that entire space with enough energy to overcome all of us. Uh, found a home in the front row of the choir, and a lot of you were here when I stood on those steps and said the vows to, my vows to Lauren on our wedding day. God's blessed all of us here at Memorial, and we should be proud to call Memorial United Methodist Church our home. We should be proud to introduce others to our church family and invite them into our home and make them feel welcome here. As I was driving home this week, I noticed a church sign that read, the only difference between united and untied is where the eye is placed. I thought about that sign the rest of the way home. Although it's just a clever sign and it makes you think, I believe there'd be a lot of truth in that saying. The only difference between united and untied is where the eye is placed. I started thinking about our church home and how we are united, but it takes every person individually as an I to make memorial so special. I began to think with Consecration Sunday approaching how I could make sure that I did my part and find the places where I fall short. Next Sunday, we'll fill out our pledge cards, and I remind everyone that we are united here at Memorial. We are a family of one to serve God, and we each have a responsibility, not, with our, uh, not only with our tithes and offerings, but with our time and our talents. I'm asking myself and everyone else to consider what I can do for our church. I'm so thankful to call Memorial United Methodist Church my home and all of you my church family. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. If you turn now for the responsive reading to page 853, and if you'll stand, if you're able, as we read this responsively. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You strengthened my All the rulers of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For the Lord is high, but regards the lowly. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. O Lord, fulfill your promise for me. O Lord, may your steadfast love endure forever. Do not
Each year, the United Methodist Women present some awards, and I'm going to ask now if Marjorie Mitchell, who's the president of our United Methodist Women, if you come and make those presentations. On behalf of the United Methodist Women, I shall be presenting two special mutual recognition pins this morning. These pins mean that a gift to the mission work of, United, of the Women's Division has been made in the name of the reception. Let me refresh your memory on how the recipients are determined. At the circle members, each at the circle meeting, each circle member is nominate three people to receive a pen. These nominees are collected and a ballot is compiled. The ballot is taken back to the circle meeting the next month and all the circle members vote. Before the pens are presented, I would like for everyone in the church that has received a special mission recognition pen to please stand. As you wear these pens, please keep in mind that you have made mission work possible. The person receiving the first, first pen this morning has been an active member of the United Methodist Church and the United Methodist Women for many years. She is a wife, mother, and grandmother, and I have been told that she loves her children and her grandchildren dearly. When you meet her, you immediately recognize her love for people. She grew up in Orangeburg and played basketball and was a cheerleader in high school. While in college, she worked as a counselor at the South Carolina Monthly Camp. She graduated from Winthrop College and married her high school classmate and sweetheart that summer. She taught in the elementary schools in Georgia while her husband attended seminary. During the years of their marriage, they moved eight times due to his work. She was active with the United Methodist Women at all the churches she served and also enjoyed singing in the choir. After his death, she married another Methodist minister who brought her into our church family. He described her as a generally happy person who smiles most of the time, loves people, and enjoys meeting people. She has added with the volunteers in mission for the South Carolina Methodist Conference and she's a member of the Seekers Sunday School class at the afternoon circle. 
She has served our Union Baptist Union as chairperson for the committee of nominations, and for the last three years, she has served as vice president. It has been her responsibility to invite speakers for our spring and fall meetings. She has recruited excellent speakers for these events. It is my pleasure to ask Harriet Drake to come forward to receive her special mission recognition pin from the Memorial United Methodist Women. The second pin goes to a very active member of our church and community. This person has served on several committees at the church, the administrative board, Pastor Parish Relations Committee, Council of Ministries, Scholarship and Nominating Committee, Stephen Ministries, uh, an usher, and a lay leader. I think one of the most outstanding contributions this person has made to our church is teaching Sunday school for 30 plus years. This person is a husband, father, and grandfather, and very devoted to his family. He grew up in Clinton, South Carolina, and was one of six children. He played football at and graduated from Newberry College. He received a master's degree from Foreman. He has been married for 40 years. He has one daughter and two grandchildren. He and his family moved to Greer in 1973, where he was a teacher and a coach at Greer High School. He then became principal of Greer Middle School and is presently the principal of Greer High School. He is a member of the Koalas Club and active with Greer Community Ministries it is my pleasure to ask Mary Wallace to come forward to receive special mission recognition pairs for the Memorial United Methodist Women. Thank you, Marjorie. 
If you join me now, we will go to God in prayer. Merciful God, you've been better to us than we deserve. We gather here in this familiar place to lift our prayers and to ask your blessings and forgiveness of our sins. We come here knowing that you're a God who loves us. We come here knowing that you're a God who expects great things of us. We pray now that you put upon our hearts those things that we need to be aware of, that you'll help us as we worship this hour to worship you in spirit and in truth, and that we might remember many of the things that have gone on. We thank you for all of those who have spoken this day. We thank you for those who've lived, who've taught, who've worshiped, who've led us. We give you thanks now for this opportunity. We're aware of many needs in the world and in our community, and we ask your continued blessings. We thank you for touching our lives and our hearts as you've called us out, reminding us that he, she, that would be the greatest among you is to be the servant of all. Continue to breathe your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray. And lead us now as we continue in this worship service. For we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If the ushers will come forward now, we'll receive God's tithes and our gifts.
please be seated. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 2 Timothy, Paul's letter as he writes, hear these words. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that he has entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I would like to say one additional word about next week. I hope that you will be here uh, for this service at 10 o'clock, one service next Sunday morning. Uh, it is a real treat that you have of hearing one of our own, Susan Leonard Ray, as she comes and shares with us. I, I promise you it will be a worship service worth experiencing. Please come. This morning I wanted to think with you about guarding the treasure. And as a young boy, I can remember going to westerns every now and then. We had a, a theater, the Grand Theater in my home community. And I would go there every now and then uh, and would see uh, the westerns. And so if you remember westerns, some of you are old enough to remember that, of, of seeing the, the stagecoach, the Wells Fargo coach, with the driver holding reins in both hands and with a man sitting next to him with a shotgun, and they call that riding shotgun. And so he was there next to the driver, and sometimes he's on top of the stagecoach, but he was always there. And one day I said to myself, you know, wouldn't that be wonderful to ride shotgun uh, on a stagecoach? Well, I, I didn't ride on a stagecoach, but I rode shotgun, and I want to tell you about it. <laughs> I found myself being the guard for some money. I was serving two little churches down uh, in Edgefield County. And a friend of mine who was a member of the church and worked at a local bank, and he said, uh, I've got to run over to Edgefield, to Augusta. I wish you would come with me. And I said, all right. He said, we're just going to ride over there and come back. I've got to pick up something. So when I, he came in his old dilapidated car, and he picked me up there at the parsonage. And, and we were riding along, and I, I said, well, what are we going to do? And he said, well, we just got to go over and get some money. And I said, all right. Uh, and as we drove along, um, I, I thought, that's all right. We just run over there and come back. When we got to Augusta, and I always go to the bank. I guess you all do. I go in the front door. But he drove up and, and passed the bank front door, the entrance. And, and I said, where are we going? He said, we're going around the back. So he took a, took a circle around the block and came in a, a small alley behind the bank. 
And he said, you stay here and I'll be right back. And so he went into the bank. They must have recognized him. They let him in. And a few minutes, John uh, emerged and he was, he was accompanied by an armed guard who had two bags of money in his hand. Uh, well, I, that was impressive to me. I, I got out of the car and you know where he put that money? Right in front of me on the floorboard of that old dilapidated car. Now, as we drove out, out of the alley, I began to be nervous. Now, I'm not normally a nervous person. I'm not normally a fearful person. But I found that I, I was full of fear. And, and I was watching this way and that way. I was trying to guard the money. Now, I don't know whether you've ever had $74,000 beneath your feet. But it's not a very comforting feeling, you know, because I, I kept thinking somebody was going to try to steal my money. Now, it wasn't my money. Here I was all upset trying to guard the money that belonged to the Ridge Banking Company. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to young Timothy. He's saying to him, I want you to guard that which I've given you, what you've been given in Jesus Christ. I want you to guard it, look at it with your life. There's several things that come out of this scripture to me. The first one is, is we're called upon to remember. Paul wanted Timothy to remember. And the scripture says, hold to the words that I taught you as an example for you to follow. To remember, hold, keep. One of the most treasured possessions that I have is a, 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 an antique piece of china that came from Prussia. It was given to, to, to Sue, my first wife and, and me, um, by a lady who lost a baby. Mary Hope was a lovely lady, was active in the church, always there. She, had, she married later in life, and she uh, had two, two children, a, a girl and a, uh, two girls, and then she had a boy while I was there, a lovely little boy, William Burton. I will never forget him. And, and there he was about almost two years old, and he was swinging in the backyard. Somebody, one of the people was pushing him, and he fell out of the swing over backwards, and he hit his head, and he was dead in 45 minutes. And that was a terrifying experience for that family and, and for the community and for a young preacher who never had a funeral for a young baby. And it wasn't easy, and we went through times of, of, of sadness and grief. And when we left that charge, Mary Hope came, and she brought this, this vase, this piece of antique china, and she... She said, I, I, want you, I want you to remember me after you're gone and my family because you mean so much to me and to us. And you know, that was 51 years ago. And I remember it as it was yesterday. And that's what Paul is saying. He, he wants us to remember. Jesus, you recall, took the disciples off to the mountain and, and gave the Sermon on the Mount, which we're familiar with. And he was, was saying to, to, to Timothy, remember what you've been taught. We've gotten these people now, and you're responsible for them, and I want you to remember those things. This faith that you have, Timothy, it, it came from your grandmother. It came from your mother, and now it's in you. Don't forget, every parent says that to their children, don't they? When, when a child is getting ready to go to college or they're getting ready to go off or leave the, the nest, I did, I guess you do, you say, 
don't forget now. Don't forget what you've been taught. Simon Peter, you recall, he told Jesus, you can count on me. If everybody else lets you down, you can count on me. And yet there in that courtyard, he remembered. And the scripture says he went out and he wept bitterly. The hope that we have is that somehow we will not forget that we will guard the treasure that you and I have been given. That we will remember the time that we stood at this altar and we took vows that would be faithful to the United Methodist Church, that we would serve Jesus as Lord and Savior. We took vows here saying that we would be committed till death us do part. They're precious vows that have been made and we need to remember them. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. I think often we forget what we ought to remember and we remember so many things we ought to forget. The second word that I see in addition to remember is live. The scripture is live by the faith and love which are ours in Christ. It has to do with the way that we, we live. Carl Jung, a, a Swiss psychiatrist, said it this way, that faith is not believing that God can. Faith is believing that God will. And that's what we're about. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. He didn't say, I think, or maybe, it's possible. He said, I know and I'm sure. I'm sure that God can keep that which I have committed to him and that has been entrusted to me. Paul tells Timothy, don't be ashamed to testify. Don't be ashamed about our Lord Jesus, but join with me in suffering for the gospel and sharing the, because it is the power it is the power of God that we're saved. And we're called to this holy life, you and I, not because we're good. We're called to this life because God is good and because of his purpose and his grace that he gives us. When a person goes and we put our money in the bank or we put it in a savings loan or a savings and loan or we put it in a credit union or wherever we put it, we put our money there, we make that deposit believing that it's safe. And that's what it happens. That's what we've got to do. I see people who make bad decisions, and all of us make bad decisions at some time. But we make decisions when we, when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. George Washington Carver is well known. He was an inventor, a botanist, a scientist, an educator. I read where he was offered $100,000 to come and, and work uh, with Henry Ford. He was promised the best laboratory that money could buy. You know what he did? He stayed where he was at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama and he lived on his $1,500 that he was making. He studied peanuts but it was a purpose. It was something that he, that he wanted to do and felt that he was called to do. Each of us must decide for ourselves how we're going to live, what we're going to do with our lives, what we're going to do with the things that we have. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart be also. And two cars and a boat and a big screen TV and a satellite dish won't guarantee you, nor will it guarantee me a good life. What do you know? What do I know about abundant life? Do you know the person in whom you have believed? 
Are you living this faith? That's what Paul said to Timothy, and I believe that's what he says to us. Are you living in the faith and love that are yours, that are ours in Christ Jesus? A third word is the word guard. Guard the treasure. Guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, I don't know how you guard things. It depends on what you're trying to guard, isn't it? When I worked in the drugstore as a delivery boy, as a young boy, I can remember. I can remember the pharmacist there. That was a time that, that medicine, antibiotics were, it's been a long time ago, but antibiotics were coming out and, and they were very expensive. And my boss, Tony, who was a part co-owner of the pharmacy, would give me that, that prescription and he would, it was, it was special. And he would say to me, guard this with your life. Now, I'm, I'm not stupid. I knew what he meant. He meant, don't you dare drop it. And I didn't. There are some football rivalries that go on, and you are part of those and love those, as I do. I think about Carolina and Clemson. I think about Georgia and Georgia Tech. I think about Alabama and Auburn. I think about Army and Navy. I grew up in New Orleans, as many of you know, and I... Uh, <coughs> I remember the, the rivalry that, that was so alive there was that, that rivalry between Tulane University and LSU. Now, every year, they, at that time, they wanted the winner. It was important for bragging rights, as it is in South Carolina, for the winner get some bragging rights. But there were students who were, not, who were worse than we are today. There, there were students uh, who did bad things. They pulled pranks. They painted school colors on places they shouldn't have. They did those kind of things. And one year I remember that LSU uh, came to New Orleans. And LSU had some students who were charged with uh, taking care of Mike, the Bengal tiger. He was their mascot. And these guys didn't do a very good job of guarding. And you know what happened? Can you guess? The Tulane students took Mike the tiger, the Bengal tiger, in his cage, and they kidnapped him. And they didn't bring him back until game day. And when they brought him back, he was painted green for the Tulane green wave. Now, what you're going to guard, what I'm going to guard is important. Jesus tells us how to guard your life and mine. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where your moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. And I believe that, that somehow if we're going to guard it, we have to guard this precious gift that we've been given. We live in an exciting time and an exciting place. I believe that Memorial is in a strategic place. I believe that the steeple on this sanctuary points men and women, boys and girls, to a savior, to this place. It's a place where, as a sign of hope, there's a sign of help. People are hungry for answers. People want to have that which satisfies. They want to know this abundant life. When people visit our church, they look at you, they look at me, and they say, are you what happens when a person gives his and her life to Christ? Are, are, are you the demonstration of that? 
I think that we must continue to remind ourselves that we are here not because we are good, but we are here because God is good. And it's crucial that the world see Jesus Christ living in you and living in me. Our hearts must be full of the Holy Spirit. And as we live life, we'll be passing on a love that's not our own. We come passing on a life, a love, that comes to us because of Jesus. Years ago, Benjamin Franklin, whom you all know, wanted to have street lights in Philadelphia. I was interested that he didn't run a campaign, he didn't try to raise money, he didn't try to talk people into it. He simply built a light with four sides that had four pieces of glass in it. And he placed it on a lamp post in front of his house. And so the story goes, and I believe it's accurate, that as people saw this light that was shining in front of Ben Franklin's house, they wanted one of their own. And so they ordered lights, and soon that light was on the lamp post, the street post there in Philadelphia. I believe that God's word is a powerful word. It is a healing word. It is a hopeful word. And I pray that God will bless you and will bless me as we seek to guard the treasure, this precious gift that God has given us in Christ Jesus, our blessed Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.